Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. How are you doing on this fine day, Pete? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the fact that, obviously, we are recording remotely because you are in Japan and I can't get to Japan. God damn it. And Uh um, uh, we're using a piece of software that allows um, us to write little notes in the bottom of the screen. Uh, And I always forget to look at what Chris has written. Uh, And Chris has has written in the last uh, three minutes, are you there? Sure. And then I'm just running to do my hair. Uh, Have you just done your hair just for this (laughs) podcast, Chris? I like to be good looking for this podcast. I like to be well groomed. I like to be prepared, even though you can't see me and nobody can see me. I still like to feel the part. Um, I like to be yeah. the part. I think it's you doing YouTube, right? For eight years or whatever, you feel like you need to make some sort of effort. Although that being said, apparently I don't because I eat too much cheesecake, Pete. But I think I look all right on YouTube. I think I'm all right. So I need to do the same yeah. for the podcast. So, huh. damn right. Well, I mean, you started this record just eating a biscoffy, uh, biscoff biscuit, um, which was rather upsetting. Two little yep. little coffee biscuits. Oh, <laughs> yes. Listeners around the world don't get to hear me crunching on biscuits. I do that just before we hit record. Um, I get all my dinner out of the way before we get this podcast on the road. But how you been though, Pete? What's going on over there? Have you been good, yeah. been good the last week? Um. I've had bad tummy over the weekend, um, so I didn't get to go and see some friends because I just, I just, the thing about me is, Chris, I just eat too much crap. Um, I, if anybody else uh, can help me, um, I uh, bought some import boxes of hot tamales um, uh, this week, and I ate three ba- uh, three boxes basically of uh, like you know kind of cinema sized hot tamales, mm. and uh, it gave me pretty bad stomach cramps the rest of the week. Now, you know, when you get to my age, Chris. If you've got stomach cramps for more than a couple of days, it starts to worry you a little bit. So I shall be, you know, seeing how it goes this week, see if the hot tamales have, have ruined my constitution, and I will be seeking legal damages from the hot tamales company, whoever they might be. <laughs> oh dear. I'll, uh, oh dear. I'll cancel the shipment the shipment of Kit Kats for your early Christmas <laughs> present, to be honest. Uh, I, uh, they're all right. They can come. I, 
I've just been reading, actually, that um, bloody Kit Kats, right, they're getting smaller, 17% smaller this year, uh, because apparently, according to Nestle, it's in response to customer feedback. I don't know if that's outside Japan. Certainly in Japan it's happening. And um, yeah. why would they do that from 11.6 grams to 9.9 grams? That That's not necessary, but at the same price. It reminds me of um, Cadbury's, good old Cadbury's chocolate, right? British, wonderful British chocolate. Mm. Gets bought by Evil Craft CEO Irene Rosenfeld back in like 10 years ago. And she's like, oh, we're not going to change the recipe. We're not going to close any factories. Ten minutes later, the chocolate bar's 14% smaller. The factories are all closed. Bastards. Anyway, I get annoyed when <laughs> I'm the fact that you've got the figures. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm excited the fact that you know all of the figures and all of the names and stuff like that. Um, but with with Kit Kat, has anybody ever given feedback that they want less chocolate? I don't buy that feedback for for. I don't buy that feedback at all. Rubbish, nonsense. It doesn't make sense, does it? Imagine sitting in no. a like a room, like, do you want Kit Kats to be the same price but smaller? Who's going to go, yeah, that's a great idea. No. Lies. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> lies, Nestle. Nestle CEO? <laughs> Absolute bastard. Anyway, enough of that, ranting over mm. over confectionery. But it is annoying, right, going back to the UK, thinking, oh, you know, I'll get some Cadbury's chocolate, my favourite chocolate bar. Oh, it's smaller. Oh, the edges are round now. Oh, the flavour's different. Why has this happened? That's the worst mm. thing about living in Japan. You come back and your favourite chocolate, your favourite confectionery is incrementally shitter. And that really annoys get me. Yourself a, get yourself a crunky. I love a crunky. Crunky. <laughs> need, to, <laughs> need to export crunky to the UK. Mm. It's the confectionery we need, chocolate biscuits. But it's been a good week for me. I, um, I released a new video for the first time in a billion years, obviously, because I've been away doing the whole journey across Japan, escape to Fuji thing. Um, mm. I have not... I'd, time to upload any videos but i did upload a video and it's a kind of a q and a video but the opening i feel I, I the opening is basically me walking across shibuya crossing right just pretending to be a british tv yeah. presenter or in fact any foreign tv presenter because every single tv show about japan except one that i've seen in recent times starts with the presenter walking over shibuya crossing going tokyo japan 36 million people tokyo japan Oh, it's so weird. Take it, Japan. Oh, it's really shiny. And that is the opening to every TV show ever. And it drove me to the point of insanity. So I've gone and restaged it myself. Am I exaggerating though, Pete? Do you think TV shows do start that way? Or is it me being weird? Yeah, I mean, pretty much every show going is uh, the vapors turning Japanese, <laughs> jump cut to Shibuya Crossing uh, with a man, uh, usually a man, uh, d- doing a piece to camera while spinning around, uh, a jump cut to sumo wrestler, and then we're out. <laughs> That's pretty much the opener of uh, every, every yeah, single Japan thing. Yeah, just, um, there's, there's very shame. few good ones, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember watching James May of Top Gear fame. And he, you know, he seems to be relatively a well-researched series. It started with him in Hokkaido. I like that. It's just him on a beach doing nothing. And even though there wasn't a whole lot going on, I still thought that's original. That's refreshing. And you want to see that with a TV show in Japan that go and do their research. I like to think that they did watch the Born Japan channel for some of their research because they did go to um, some of the places. Like they went to Yamagata, which I was really delighted about because I don't think any TV show about Japan ever has come to Yamagata. So that, was uh, that made me very happy indeed. But uh, right. who knows? Maybe they watched our videos, Pete. Maybe they watched us wandering around. Maybe they watched your channel, Pete, buying rice cookers. Look. Dare to dream. 
<laughs> maybe James May came back. Maybe that's what he was wanting to do because obviously he's a man obsessed with tech, tech and uh, and engineering. Maybe he wanted to come back with those uh, high pressure rice cookers, but uh, just 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 realised that the uh, that the TV company wouldn't fund that, so uh, just decided to uh, to do a TV show about something else. Hopefully, yeah. Imagine bringing back Jeremy, bringing back a bloody rice cooker for Jeremy Clarkson. I wonder how he'd yeah. enjoy that. Uh, Hamster now... probably hurt himself with it. <laughs> it's a blow. <laughs> oh god, that'll be the next one. Richard Hammond in Japan. To be fair, I did see a good episode of Richard Hammond uh, doing a show about bullet trains, where he got to go behind the scenes on bullet trains and whatnot and do engineering. Seems they've all been over the whole Top Gear team, the original Top Gear team, a Top Gear now. It's thoroughly unwatchable as far as I'm concerned. But the original crew, they've been over here in many ways and shapes and forms over the years. They seem to love Japan. I do, I, I do like, Chris, that you are a 40-year-old Audi driver um, in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what you are. It's, it's, it's just you are just a man who is settling into middle, middle age. Uh, middle age? <laughs> middle age with... Uh, with uh, uh, with, with with very little kind of resistance, I would say, in many ways. Big fan of Top Gear. <laughs> what have I become? What have I become? I think it's spending too much time with Ryotaro, because Ryotaro is always, mm. he loves Top Gear so much. Every time right. I see him, he's like, well, it's like Top Gear, isn't it? He wants everything we do to be like Top Gear, so it's rubbed off on me. Um, but yeah, I miss the days of Top Gear. Anyway, we haven't come yeah. here to discuss the, the wonderful days of Top Gear before Jeremy Clarkson punched someone in the face over some steak. We've come to hear the story of the week, and it comes this week from Danny from Puerto Rico. He says, hello, Ooh. almighty Chris and grand lord Pete. Grand lord Pete. Uh, huge fan hello. of both the videos and the podcast. I watched your video on tips to learn Japanese that I started to use, and I started to use um, the app Hello Talk and meet some nice people willing to learn English and Japanese. Um, for those of you who don't know, Hello Talk is basically an app where uh, you can practice your language you're learning with a stranger, right? Have you ever used it, Pete? Hello, talk. No, no, I haven't actually. It's, it's just kind of like um, fortifying your, uh, your your Japanese uh, learning with someone who actually speaks. Are they learning English at the same time then? Are they kind of... Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, they right. get to practice English, you get to practice Japanese. Yeah. But you can do it with any language. Nice. And um, right. people people tend to use it. Uh, people always message me um, saying they've met a stranger on Hello Talk and hooked up with them. Um, and they message me because I showered it out once in a video like five or six years ago. So I get a lot of thank yous. And this is where the story's heading, it seems. Um, he continues, so I met one one um, woman from Osaka on there and uh, she was very friendly all the time. And after we spoke for six months, I went to Japan and actually met with her in a bar in Shinjuku. Long story short, we shared drinks and she eventually told me Daisuke, I love you. To which my buzzed self just brushed it off due to the uh, all to the Sapporo beer we'd been drinking. Um, she then started crying, God, and I walked her to a hotel, um, which made her personality suddenly shift as she whispered deviant words in my ear. I'm married and have two kids, but I don't care because I want you. I want you, Danny. And she tried dragging me into the hotel. And I escaped using my Puerto Rican survival instinct <laughs> and ran off. She's the third married woman who's hit on me. But she was obviously not just mad, but also hyper-aggressive with her approach. It makes What makes this hilarious is that she then wanted me to model for her glasses brand, which let me know that she, in fact, had lost her mind. Keep up the crepe work. Stay safe. Much love. Danny from Puerto Rico. What do you make of wow. that, Pete? 
It's all a bit. She bizarre. sounds uh, like she should have some kind of uh, prominence on the Hello Talk website. <laughs> she sounds like <laughs> very into the whole experience. Quite frankly, it's not that kind of site, my dear. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> I like the idea of having um, Puerto Rican survival instincts. I, that's something I hope one. to acquire in my uh, JRPG um, journey through life. <laughs> it's just what a, what a story though. Like the the way yeah. it kind of things rapidly spiraled out of control. I love you. Then she's crying. Then she's like, "I'm married, but coming anyway." Uh, and three times, no less, Danny. Three times. We'd like to uh, mm. hear about the other two encounters. But this is not uncommon. I've had a lot of people um, who have said that they've they've met people on Hello Talk. I think. I've had someone who got married after meeting somebody there. So do check it out. Wow. Uh, we should get some sort of sponsorship from them, really. But uh, Hello Talk, yeah, check it out. It's an all right app. Mm. I used it uh, back when I shouted it out like five or six years ago. I did use it for a little bit. And what happens is you just end up speaking to someone really intensely for like a day. You know, you talk for like 10 hours straight and then you never speak to them again. And that was my experience <laughs> with Hello Talk. And I learned nothing. But it's kind of fun, isn't it? The old, remember the old chat room days of the early internet where you just meet a stranger and chat for hours? Remember that? It's sex location. It's sex location. <laughs> are you, are you down? <laughs> are you down? There was an advert that, um, that the government uh, in the UK uh, used uh, mm. in the last week where they took a picture of a ballet dancer from like, you know, uh, an image um, stock stock footage site. And um, they basically took a, to, to use that picture and basically said, uh, to, to basically getting people to retrain uh, from their arty jobs into um, slightly more functional ones, let's say. Um, they, mm. they, they, they basically said, uh, you know, this dancer's, uh, you know, Sarah's um, new, new job could be in cyber. She just doesn't know it yet and the word cyber they've used cyber because it sounds sexy and futuristic except it doesn't it sounds sexy and futuristic in the 80s <laughs> you know, now, <laughs> the word cyber just always reminds me of those chat rooms back in the day anyone want a cyber meaning cyber sex it's i am so old chris it is, it is horrific but yeah it um, usually uh, back in the day most of my chat room experiences were all text-based so that was my late 90s early 90s experience that and uh, the online guitar archive i was i was if i wasn't in chat rooms i was learning uh, guitar uh, via the manic street preachers uh, online guitar archive that they had online <laughs> Well, why don't you get on Hello Talk and relive the magic of, of chat rooms mm. and meeting strangers and guitars? Are we cybering? <laughs> Do you <laughs> dice cyber. me? Oh, God. <laughs> dear, dear. Good old oh, Hello Talk. Connecting yeah. people. It's, it's true, oh. though, because it's, it's nice to sort of like, you can, t- you can, t- you can read all the books in the world, but mm. fundamentally nothing really sticks until you're actually talking to someone and having a conversation uh, about, you know, the weather and stuff like that. It's, 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 it's interesting. It, 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 and also pronunciation is so um, specific, certainly in different parts of, uh, of, of Japan and, and certainly in parts of everywhere, um, you know, getting the right um, pronunciation is, is, is really important. Yeah. I mean, Japan's riddled with dialects. There's so many different mm. dialects and, to be honest, it can be a little bit tricky to pick them up sometimes. I, d- I think the Yamagata region, right? The the way you, the the word for dialect is ben in in Japanese. Mm. So, for example, Yamagata Prefecture, right? The dialect of Yamagata is Yamagata Ben. And I never really yeah. learned, never really learned it. Um, I think people look down upon Yamagata Prefecture. It's kind of seen as this poor, backward, rubbish place. Even though, in my opinion, I think it's one of the best prefectures I've been to. But uh, I look down upon it. But I remember, I think. The, the one of the words that came up a lot was moke mokidano, which means like thank you or kind of like cheers, thanks, mokidano. But like 
That's an example of one of the words you'd hear from Yamagata, but never anywhere else in Japan. So many different dialects. And uh, yeah, I need to learn more. Not that they're that useful, to be honest. Um, One place with a very strong culture, of course, in Japan is Kyoto. And this week, News of the Week, it was voted as the best big city in the world. Did that in a very Jeremy Clarkson way. The best big city in the world by international travellers. Now, Tokyo usually wins this award. Uh, I think it's won it for like the last four years in a row. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's won it for the last four years in a row. But now Kyoto has finally come out on top. Um, It's been voted as most popular travel destination for a decade. And now the best big city. And it is a big city. I think the population of Tokyo... Actually, no, I'm going to have to look up the the Kyoto population. I'm going to say that it's around 28 million. Mm. Gonna have to look that up in a minute, but um, I guess this doesn't really come as a surprise in many mis- in many respects. It's always in the top ten list. Is Kyoto? I've always wondered though, what makes a city get shifted around in the list? Why did readers finally decide Kyoto is better than Tokyo? I wonder what kind of made that shift happen. Any ideas? I don't know because I mean, for me, I mean, it's probably the monkey park, isn't it? But I, th- I don't know because it's. <laughs> Kyoto saw like not, I mean, in the historical um, sec- section, obviously there's two different parts of it, isn't there? There's there's the business center and then there's the, um, the the place where you go to, you know, pretend you're a shogun warrior or something. I don't know, like old shogun school warrior. castles and bits, bits and bobs like that. And, you, and, and, and so it's very different to what modern Kyoto is. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's an inelegant and, um, inaccurate, uh, kind of feeling you get when you, when you stroll around. But, um, I, I've always just seen, seen, seemed like it was like, felt like it was very, very touristy. You can't really get around very easily. Um, people are always just trying to sell you stuff. And it's, I, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a big thing for me, to be honest, Kyoto. Really? I'm surprised by that. Yeah. I thought you would have, yeah. you would have loved it. Monkeys and Yorkai part Yorkai Street where we made little models. Uh, mm. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot. I I have a weird relationship with Kyoto. It depends. Every time I go back, I have a different experience. To be honest, um, and I am going to go down there before the year's out and try and visit it without tourists around and see what it's like. And um, going back to the point, by the way, it wasn't twenty eight million. The population is two point eight million. That was a, a spectacular <laughs> error on my part. And I'm very embarrassed by it. Got it mixed up with Kansai, which is 22 million. But um, right. I think, well, I did the, Kyoto does have a lot going for it. The history, the culture. There's 100 Michelin-star restaurants alone, I think, in the city. Um, so you're kind of spoilt for choice. But my fondest memories of Kyoto are always on the kind of not-so-touristy, not-so-well-known bits. Um, and I really like the path of the philosopher, philosopher's path. It's quite nice as well. A little uh, kind of pathway that goes around the edge of the city. And it, obviously it's quite touristy still. There's lots of people down there, but you can still have a bit of time to yourself. And I remember the last time I walked Philosopher's Path, which was May last year, I did it with a coolish. And I sent you a photo of me walking down there with a coolish to spite you and make you jealous because I'm a horrible, yeah. horrible person. You are. <laughs> that is correct. You are. Um, yeah, I like the manga museum. That was good. They had like a. The manga there was a. There was a. There was a manga called. Oh God, what was it? Bloody called Two Face or Blackjack? It's called Blackjack, and it was about mm. a, a pretty racist start to that particular uh, manga. Pretty weird, but um, uh, maybe not racist, but just a bit off. Um, but mm. uh, yeah, the um, 
the uh, they'd set up like this big kind of surgeon's uh, room, a big kind of uh, um, operating theater, and you could sort of dress up as surgeons, probably pre-COVID. Uh, I assume that display isn't there anymore. But you could sort of dress up as a surgeon. And my mate who works in the NHS, um, as a civil servant, he's nowhere near the front line of uh, of health and social care. He um, he puts that as his WhatsApp uh, picture, and it does my bloody nine. <laughs> Oh, good God. Him dressed oh, in scrubs, trying to do an operation on me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a typical, yeah, God. I um, It'd be good to go to Kyoto, though, before the year's out, and maybe make a video going to unconventional locations, right? There's so many videos on, like, the Kiyomizudera Temple, which is really nice. I highly recommend that. The uh, Gingakji Temple and whatnot. It would be kind of fun to go to Kyoto and find these lesser-known spots. and uh, mm. A bit like we did, I guess, in some respects. Not the monkey part, but... Uh, the Yorkai Street, although I feel like we're modern Kyoto. at straws. And what? <laughs> I loved Yorkai Street. It was all right. Wasn't really much going on there, though, was there? No. Just like some people's <laughs> run-down shops. Um, yeah. But you did send me an interesting article this week. It's interesting because it's got KFC in it, and anything with KFC mm. in is instantly good. I'm actually, um, this year, because I'm not going to be going home for Christmas for the first time in a very long time, which I'm quite sad about, I am going to get good old kfc uh christmas bucket and i'm gonna try and celebrate it with natsuki uh, and have like a nice big kfc christmas menu together what do you reckon pete is that a good idea <laughs> well it depends if your guts can handle it i know mine can't but yeah it's uh <laughs> you're in a situation where the so do you, do you want me to get into the story the 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 the, the story about the kfc i do indeed what have we got <laughs> Well, look, it's been said to us a few times, but I'm big into this. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken, right, have installed in Tokyo uh, and a couple of other cities fried chicken pickup lockers. So you can order online on your app, um, and instead of waiting in a queue, they give you a code, and you go over to the lockers, and your KFC is waiting for you in these lockers. And they just look like normal, I guess, two-sided chicken lockers. Well, just normal lockers that you would put your gym kit in or whatever. Um, But they've got clear plastic Perspex screens uh, as the doors. And, yeah, your your KFC is just waiting waiting for you in there. You just type in the code and and, and open open it does, and then you're you're there, really. But, I mean, could you not just – the thing that bothers me is could you not just reach around and get into the back of it? Because presumably those aren't locked (laughs) as well. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to break into KFC chicken lockers, are we? I mean, this is Japan. No, I guess not. But they've got a little, they've got a little, um, the little screen that you press is like a little LCD mm. screen. It's designed for this specific uh, job, so it's obviously a, a COVID measure. But I don't know, it just all seems a little bit needlessly fancy. <laughs> it's very elaborate, isn't it? Like, yeah. is it really necessary? I don't. What? So they, you, you order online basically, and then go and collect it from the KFC mm. pickup box. Is that what it is? Yeah, you punch punch in your code, and the locker door just opens, uh, revealing your, your 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 fried chicken. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 all through the cashless payment system. So I guess that's why they're doing it. But I just like the fact that you know zero waiting time. You just go in, bash open the door, and you're there. <laughs> but is it going to be fresh? I mean, that's the main issue, isn't it? You want nice, fresh KFC. If it's in well, a it's locker, up to you to approach hour. your locker in decent time. I think that's the way. I think that's the way it's going to work. <laughs> approach the locker in decent time. But I mean, yeah. yeah, I I don't imagine I'll be using it. I do. The only time I actually go to KFC in Japan is at Christmas because mm. it's really expensive here, and um, I just find it's not as good. They don't have popcorn, chicken, or gravy. But I will do it for Christmas this year because there's no alternative. You can't really find a turkey here. 
which is why KFC Christmas started in the first place. But um, I think it'd be kind of cool. I'm looking forward to doing it. But we've got to get there quick and order it. You have to pre-order the KFC Christmas bucket like a month or two mm. in advance. The last time I did it, uh, many, many years ago, all the best ones were sold out and we were left with like second best second-hand KFC chicken, um, which was it was still good, but a little bit disappointing. So it's not cheap either. It's like $80, like 8,000 yen for a right. bucket of chicken and some microwavable like chicken sticks, chicken wings, whatever. It's not overly great, but it's better than nothing, right? Better than yeah. nothing, eh? Did you did you see also that um, um, Royal Horst, um, obviously a popular um, chain out there, um, mm. are, are now for the first time allowing you to um, take your take your leftovers home in a little doggy bag? I did see that. I, it's weird. I thought this concept already existed um, in Japan, to be honest. But apparently, it's mm. it's not that widely known. I mean, I don't really do it anyway. I'm not the sort of person. I tend to eat everything, to so I never need place. to take it home. But uh, <laughs> I, thought, I don't know. It's something a bit weird about dragging back half a plate of eaten food. I find, but for Americans, it's, it's second nature. You paid for that food. You're taking it home. And the Japanese obviously got a big thing about um, not leaving food on the, on the table and eating all the food and not wasting food. So this could be a, a pretty good halfway house between that. That's correct. Yeah, the uh, the old motainai culture where you kind mm. of don't waste things. Like if you leave a plate with rice on it, if you go out for dinner or whatnot, or around somebody's house, it could be a little bit, a little, little bit rude and offensive. And um, yeah, they're pretty good when it comes to waste food uh, around the dinner table in Japan. They've got that kind mm. of element there. But um, yeah, KFC, I'll let you know how I get on though. Hopefully we can book it. You'll be the first to know. You'll get the good news when we uh, successfully order the KFC Christmas Bucket. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realize that we're carrying them around with us. But 
If these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watch with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself and I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. But for now, what have we got in the fax machine this week, Mr. Dalson? Oh, we got a fax from Victor from Brazil. Hello, Victor. Um, I always love when products are bearing the broken English make an appearance in the videos. They're funny by themselves, but the way Chris says it just makes it even more so. A few days ago, a few months ago, rather, a Daiso store opened up in my city. I've been there twice already while in the area. I haven't bought a thing. Um, I just browse through the shelves uh, uh, looking out for some funny English sentences. Uh, I might seem crazy to others picking up random products, chuckling a little and then putting them back on the shelves. Now, a question for, for Chris. Do you actually use the products, the English products that you show us, or is it just for the gag? Cheers, lads. Keep it the good work. Chris, are you just a walking joke? Do you just buy stuff just to have a bit of a giggle with? No. I wear my... Ridiculous English clothes with pride. For example, Yay. the um, the old the the kind of black uh, long sleeve top that I have that has uh, has high functionality written on it. I wore that for like half of journey across Japan too. Uh, I wore it with pride because yeah. I wanted people to know. I wanted strangers to know that I do indeed have high functionality. I also took the hat, uh, the hat that read something. Oh, I can't remember what it had written on it. Some ridiculous hat. Um, mm. Ah, can't remember. But I, Chris you know, I do wear it. That's so so many weird clothes, right? But no, I do wear them. I do use them. But um, for the most part, no, I don't use a lot of them. I did have a a weird cat notebook. I think I had in a, a few videos back that I used. I 
didn't buy the CD for the band Pizza. Was it Pizza of Death record label I saw mm-hmm. the other week? Yes. Uh, and Barbecue Chicken. <laughs> I, I didn't buy that. I did listen to them on, on YouTube. I don't know if you saw this, but in the, the recent Abroad in Japan video, the most recent one, I did stumble across the Barbecue Chickens and uh, go and listen to them on YouTube. They'll be your new favourite band. What do you think, Pete? Barbecue Chickens. Is that a good punk rock band name or what? I, I, I just sort of, it wasn't the, um, wasn't the record company called like Pizza Boys or something like that. Pizza of Death Records, no less. Pizza of Death. Pizza of death. That's right, yeah. I do like kind of, the, the, I think, um, I've loved a few um, punk rock bands from Japan in, in my days, but they, they they do always seem a little bit formulaic. Like you know, they, like they they think that they can't you know step outside the usual you know one two three four kind of punk uh, or, or or even like the no effects style high standard uh, sort of uh, sort of punk rock as well. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I, I've never sort I've never really got on with uh, with Japanese music in general, and certainly Japanese punk rock always. I mean, punk rock in general, and certainly, you know, third wave, fourth wave, not very creative uh, at the best of times, but it is my genre that I love a lot. Um, but yeah, they can be a little bit too formulaic for, for, for my liking. But good on them. Good on them for keep keep on punk rocking, I say. <laughs> I mean, I did find, with that video, I did find, um, like, tons of really quite bizarre, uh, really bizarre, like, um, band names. I'm see if I can find some of them mm. now. Because, like, that one, Barbecue Chickens, was relatively tame. Uh, oh, here we go. I found a list. So I had a whole section that I had to take out, like a lot of Abroad in Japan videos. I try and keep it under 20 minutes, which means I have to remove entire segments. So I filmed an entire scene uh, where I'm just going through weird band names. And here's, here's, here's like three or four of them. The first one was Garlic Boys. Then there was Asparagus. Then there was Come Back My Daughters. Bit of an eyebrow raiser, that one. <laughs> and, of course, my personal favourite was just Toast toast and these are all bands these are all artists under the pizza of death record label asparagus they've got a type they've got a type haven't they yeah there's definitely a theme isn't there food apart from come back my daughters that one i don't know what's going on there that one scared me a little bit but go and check them out come (laughs) back my daughters and asparagus um we got uh, we got a question from Aya. It says, Dear Chris and Pete, my name is, sorry, Ayaka. Uh, I was born in Japan, but I live in Scotland. My question is, having recently seen Chris's opinion on the James May Japan show, I also loved it, it got me wondering, have either of you seen any Japan uh, travel shows from British presenters? I recently watched the Hairy Bikers Asian Adventure, those two English chefs, and loved it. It made me pretty homesick, and I just want to eat all those things up. Uh, thanks, guys. Love the podcast. Ayaka. Um, who have you seen any of these shows? Who's come over? Was it what's the name of the, the other chef guy? Paul something or other. Oh, I don't know. There's a, there's an there's an engineer bloke who's really good at um, like turning wood and stuff like that. He's gone over to see some. Um, he's, he's got quite a nice way about him, uh, and he you know spent a day as like a, an apprentice for a wood turning like a lathe shop or something. I, I, no, I was in metal. He was sort of turning metal and making these precision instruments by hand. This old Japanese guy, um, and he's basically saying nobody's doing this anymore. <laughs> he was like, "God, can I have a go?" And he would, uh, and he tur- and he made this beautifully precise bit of machinery by hand because it's the only way you can do it pretty much um, i'm sure it's probably wide of the mark but the japanese love um, precise engineering i've also seen a little bit i think i've seen joanna lumley's but again I, joanna lumley's was quite good as well it, it, again it didn't fall into the kind of the, the cliquey uh, cliquey it didn't fall into that hall of just doing the same bloody thing um all the time you know shibuya station all that bollocks but um 
I think uh, I, I Carl Pilkington's I thought was a little disrespectful at times. Again, it was just, you know, I've got to a <laughs> sumo yeah. wrestling training thing and, you know, cut together with a bit of footage of the Shinkansen, um, you know, uh, for, from Getty Images and stuff. It was all pretty basic, wasn't it? We should do, One day we should just go out and do the most generic, <laughs> the most generic oh, I would love wrestling, uh, like sumo wrestling uh, day of filming ever. It's funny, I'm... Um, I just playing the trailer for Joanna Lumley's Japan. I haven't seen it, but the opening shot of the trailer is the exact, I think the exact stock footage that I got of Shibuya crossing myself, but credit really, where it's due to her. Uh, <laughs> the first shot of her walking through Japan, she's in Yamagata as well. So it seems Yamagata there you go. getting all the, all the, pre- all the British presenters. So I'm very happy about that. Um, no, uh... To me generally though, I don't watch a lot of um, travel shows set in Japan because I live here, I guess. So you kind of feel like you don't need yeah. to watch any. But yeah, Joanna Lumley, James May, check them out, Ayaka. Hopefully they're good. Uh, speaking, from, speaking from experience, James May was pretty good. And uh, maybe I'll check out Lumley. Uh, Rosanna, do you want to read that one out as I take a sip of my coffee? All right, then. Um, my name... Oh, hang on. No, my name is Rosanna. Hi, Chris Beat. Uh, thank you for your podcast. My husband and I listen to it religiously as we look forward to visiting Japan again. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, when the pandemic is over. We also watch uh, Chris's uh, YouTube channel and hope that you see Mount Fuji on your next Abroad in Japan installment. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope to someday cycle across Japan as well as we love your video series. But first, my husband needs to learn how to ride a bike first because that may be problematic. <laughs> um, for years before our first trip to Japan in 2018, we've had friends tell us about their love uh, for the country. And while it all sounded wonderful, we couldn't understand why these friends would go to Japan every year or sometimes more than one, once a year. That all changed when we finally booked our trip to Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto, the standard first time in Japan route. We had a great time and promptly booked a trip to Hokkaido and Hiroshima for 2019. Then again, in 2020, we booked a trip to Fukuoka, but unfortunately, this was cancelled due to COVID. Now I understand why Pete and our friends would keep going back to the same country again and again, and I only wish I started going earlier so I would have been able to visit more cities. That is the thing. Everybody who who sort of goes, you know, why is Peter going out of Japan all, all the time? Is he going to visit a Japanese family? They've never been to bloody Japan. That's why, because it's bloody great. Um, Chris, in your recent video, I noticed that you had the 642 tiny things to write about book on your bookshelf. I've had the same book for years, but I've yet to crack it open and start writing. Just wondered if you've used the book at all and whether it's helped uh, give you inspiration for videos and future projects. If you ever feel uh, like you're running out of ideas or just hit a mental roadblock for your next video or podcast, what do you do to get past it? Thank you again for the hours of entertainment that you've both provided to your listeners. Best regards, Rosanna. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? The first bit mm. there I thought was quite interesting, um, how Rosanna was a sceptic about Japan. Mm. Certainly, if I'd never moved there, I think if I'd come for just like a week or two, I'd have been like, crap, I want to go back to Japan, uh, yeah. as you kind of do, right? And you've been here, how many times do you think you visited Japan now? I always joke and say like 10 or 12 more times <laughs> than me. I think the last but... time was t- was 10, but I mean, they were. The, I think they all, um, I think it's more just, they were never like full trips in that i'd got a career i'd i'd, I'd sort of waste time I, I, what i should do is do a couple of weeks in korea a couple of weeks in japan a couple of weeks here you know not all in one chunk but i'm just saying like mm. i've been doing like five days in korea and then going over to japan five days in taiwan then going to japan five days in china then going to japan so you know this sounds incredibly um salubrious and and, and and expensive but to be honest it wasn't and it was a bit of a nightmare to get, to get out there <laughs> but um but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I would say that, um, yeah, I would say that sort of getting out to, uh, to, to, to Japan in, in two week chunks. I think I've only done that four or five times. So there we go. <laughs> it's not that Fair bad. Fair amount of times. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you've been able to come back quite a lot. And I think there's definitely, when I try and pitch Tohoku in North Japan to, to viewers, I always try and sort of say, come on the second trip, because I think realistically most people aren't going to come up here on the first trip. They're going to do the same Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, right? And it's on the second trip or even the third trip that things get really kind of exciting and fun. And mm. certainly reading out stories from uh, from you guys, uh, kind of that's the kind of vibe that I get, that the trip gets so much better after the first time. It takes like one trip to get used to Japan and try and uh, stop being so culture-shocked, really. Um, as for ideas, we're never short of ideas on the podcast because there's so much news going on. Um, and as for videos, I don't turn to the 642 Tiny Things to Write About book uh, as much as I should. Uh, the book that Rosanna referenced, it's a little book, and it's just got loads of little writing prompts. It's got like a, you'll open, you'll turn a page and it'll say, your friend is a wizard who's dying. Send him your final letter, goodbye. And you have to like think of a letter to write him or like just these really random, bizarre prompts. And <laughs> I got the book hoping that the wet, like the really weird random stuff within would be of use, but it's not so damn random. It doesn't help, but it's good fun to, uh, to get some ideas and write some stuff for fun. Um, got one here from Ichiro. It says, hello, Chris and Pete. I'm Ichiro from Osaka. I've been to the UK three times to see my friends who live in Cambridge. The question is, what would you think about Japan in 10 years? Obviously, we're losing our population um, and we do need to open up for the immigration or develop a futuristic robot to make industrial workers uh, to what make up for the lack of industrial workers. Do you have any idea to help our huge problems from the perspective of a British person living in Japan for seven years? Or a guy who just loves coolish. What ideas do you have? Thank you for the podcast twice a week and keep going. All the best, Ichiro. What do you reckon, Pete? Should we? How can we solve all of Japan's problems in the final minutes of the podcast? Oh, uh, oh I'd uh, better buses. <laughs> That's all get I've got. Danny, Bye. Get Danny over from Puerto Rico. Yes. To, uh, yes. Sorry, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look. Japan does have a lot of issues. The The whole debt thing worries me. I think Japan's got more debt than any other country on earth. Um, it's, mm. got to do, it's got to sort that out. And obviously the country's population is um, aging spectacularly. Uh, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it was something like 20%, over 20% of people here are over 65. Or it might have been 30%. It was a huge proportion, and that is of great concern because lots of pensions to be paid. I don't think Japan is going to solve these problems with robots. Going back a few years, there were always lots of kind of idealistic little TV shows where they had like, Japan's developed a robot that can carry old people. And they have this big bipedal robot walking with an old person in its arms. But that's not a practical solution. I do think they're going to have to open up the gates to immigration a little bit. Um, How that's going to work, I'm not so sure. But uh, certainly, I remember a few weeks ago, we did talk on this podcast how Tokyo has had more foreign um, populations risen in terms of foreign immigrants, more than Japanese domestic um, people moving domestically to Tokyo this year. So that's kind of encouraging, I guess. I think they are kind of opening the doors to immigration. That does need to happen realistically. But I don't know. It's a big topic for another day, Ichiro. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in the next few days to all over again, guys. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days and we'll see you on Sunday. Is that Sunday. right, Pete? Sunday? Yes. yes. Sunday. Sunday. Get it right. Good old, good old summer.
was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>